This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com, member FDIC. Welcome back. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's also co-author of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. 25% of U.S. households are unbanked or underbanked. Many Mississippians turn to payday lenders or motor vehicle loans to get by. Our guests today are Marsha Reed and David Johnson from Bank Plus. They're here to discuss this problem and some possible solutions. We're also taking your personal finance questions as we do each Tuesday. So give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 Or send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Ryder, some financial news to share. Liz, our producer, found this for me, that the <laughs> Powerball jackpot has reached a whopping $750 million. This is my favorite sort of financial news. You know I love of the lottery. <laughs> That's the good news. The not so good news. Whether you take it as an annuity spread out over three decades or an immediate reduced lump sum, 24% of your win is withheld for federal taxes. Um, by the way, your chance of matching all six numbers is about one in 292 million. Kevin, I don't, I don't know why you, you think having to pay taxes on $800 million is a bad thing. Well, like, I mean, I would love to have the chance to pay federal taxes on that much money. I would just, I would love it. I would do it every day if somebody let me. After federal taxes, you're down to $293.3 oh, million. That's a, that's a life shame. Is, life is hard. That's a problem, isn't it? So anyway, you could end up paying more than 45% in taxes, but you're right. When you start out with that much money, I, I don't think anybody would be complaining too much about and, that. And let so. me just always throw in my lottery disclaimer. Do not view lottery tickets as an investment. Do not view them as something you make money on. Uh, uh, throwing down two crispy $1 bills is a great uh, $2 entertainment if you want. Um, and you know what? They do the draw- What the drawing will be tomorrow night. So if you get them today, you got a whole like 24 hours of entertainment for only $2. <laughs> it's so much fun. And also, uh, Lottery News Mississippi, uh, that is in the works. They're getting closer to that. Um, I did hear from someone on the Lottery Commission a couple weeks ago, and they don't have an exact timetable, but I think they're saying they're trying to uh, get tickets being sold um, by next year. So uh, no telling how that's going to kind of pan out, but uh, just make it a little easier. We'll stop. We won't have to drive to Louisiana or uh, Tennessee for those tickets anymore. Exactly. Uh, so uh, if you have a financial question for us this morning, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven. Seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show as well. It's money at mpbonline.org. Yes. And I do have a bit more somber uh, okay. financial news note. Uh, so last week, uh, we talk about interest rates a lot. And uh, we'll be talking about interest rates more today. Uh, and we've talked about what's called the yield curve, which is, you know, uh, short-term interest rates. When you're loan someone money for just a short amount of time, a week, a month, a year, you don't demand a very high interest rate because it's 
it's gonna it's gonna come back soon. If you loan the money for a longer time, you demand a higher interest rate because uh, there's a lot more uncertainty in the meantime. So the shape of that kind of you know if you graph that out, it's called the yield curve. And last week, what happened was the yield curve did what they call what what you know if you've seen Top Gun, it inverted, um, and that means short term rates were higher than long term rates. And this is just a weird thing when you think about it because again, why would somebody let you borrow money for 10 years uh, and charge you less money than they would charge you if you were borrowing money for three months? So that's a sign that something is weird. Uh, and I, that's about as technical as I'm going to put it right now. Um, but typically, when the yield curve inverts, when this happens, that's a signal that uh, there's bad economic news coming. Now, people often say it's a great recession predictor. However, here are all of the caveats. It's typically a recession predictor in the next 6 to 18 months. It also says, it says nothing about when. Other than that, it says nothing about when that recession is going to happen. It doesn't say anything about how deep that recession might go. It doesn't say anything about whether the stock market is going to go up or down before then. Usually, it's kind of a bad sign, so people kind of freak out about it. But the stock market can continue to go up. Um, it says nothing about how long the stock market will go down. And it says nothing about when the recession will end. So it's, it's kind of like, I just, it's a terrible example, but I love making analogies. You know, if before, before basketball season, you know, you're, you're looking at your favorite team and someone says to you, they're going to lose. They, they didn't say anything about when, how badly, how many times. It, but, yeah, it's going to happen, maybe. Um, so I just think for, for investors right now, it's, it's a time to be very cautious. It's a time to uh, you know, kind of revisit your plan. Make sure, again, that you are, you, you, your, your investments are structured in a way that, that matches how you're going to need your money in the future. Um, but other than that, that, that's about as best we can do. All right. Uh, we've got two guests in studio with us this morning. David Johnson uh, is Director of Community Development, and Bank Officer Marsha Reed are with us. Both work for Bank Plus. Uh, thanks uh, to both of you for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. And I think what we'll do is just kind of throw out questions, and then uh, if uh, either one of you or both wants to chime in, we can we can do that. So in the uh, in the opener, I um, used two terms, and so we'd, if we could just start out with a couple of definitions, uh, unbanked or underbanked, what, what exactly does that mean? Mean. Sure. Unbanked refers to persons who do not have checking or savings accounts with insured financial institutions. Underbanked are people who have an account with insured financial institutions, but also have an account with an alternative service provider, such as a payday lender or check casher. Is uh, underbanking a problem here in Mississippi? It definitely is. As a matter of fact, Mississippi has uh, some of the highest rates of unbanked and underbanked households in the country. As a matter of fact, the FDIC does a national survey every two years, uh, starting in 2009, of unbanked and underbanked across the country. And Mississippi has some very high percentages of unbanked and underbanked. As a matter of fact, Mississippi's unbanked percentage is 15.8%. Underbanked is 22.5%. Uh, and that's high. Higher than the national average, uh, unbanked 
on a national average of 6.5, uh, underbanked 18.7. So we do have a problem with unbanked and underbanked in Mississippi. Do you have any thought or some ideas of, um, you know, why someone doesn't have a bank account? Is it, or is it a, um, an education thing? Are they not able to afford one? What are some reasons why someone would not have a bank account? I think education is one of the reasons, but I think probably more often than not, people don't have enough money to open an account or to maintain an account because a lot of accounts require a minimum balance uh, to avoid service charges, et cetera. So I think it is a financial issue. They don't have enough money, and and sometimes even there's a trust factor. Uh, maybe they're not comfortable with a bank. Maybe they're more comfortable with you know an alternative service provider. Uh, so I think those are some of the reasons. And typically, the people who are unbanked and underbanked are going to be people who have volatile incomes uh, or low incomes. They're working from payday to payday, so they don't have a whole lot of money, and so they would rather just go someplace and get a quick. Uh, check cashed or whatever financial transaction they might want to have taken uh, care of. Yeah, and I know we're going to get into some of the deeper issues with uh, being unbanked and underbanked. You know, you don't have access to credit. You don't have access to low-cost loans and mm-hmm. things like that. And like you mentioned, payday lenders or check cashers, those just might be a much more expensive place to get money. Um but banking is such a fundamental thing to our economy. All transactions run through banks. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just that. Oh, you don't have the opportunity to put money in an account that earns point zero one percent interest, mm-hmm. or you know, it might be like what, like point one percent interest now. Um, it's not just that. Uh, all transactions. You know, it's hard to send large amounts of money to. It's harder to send money to people who you don't physically come in contact to hand them cash. Um, again, the you know, credit accessing credit uh, using somebody else's money to purchase things, loans, mortgages, car loans, all of those things, those transactions all go through banks. And it's just so fundamental to our economy. And most of us don't realize how often we interact with a bank. It's probably multiple times a day for a lot of people. Um, and so folks that are unbanked or underbanked, they're missing out on a lot of, of ease of transactions. Uh, they're missing out on a lot of opportunities to make transactions. Um, and it, again, we'll get into this later, but they're probably uh, accessing much more expensive forms of money. All right. Uh, after the break that we're, we're about to take, we're going to talk about the Credit Plus program that Bank Plus offers. Uh, we're also looking for your personal finance questions or questions about banking this morning. You can join our conversation with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb it's one 672 or you can email the show. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. During the break, something to think about. Where is the highest concentration per capita of payday lenders in the nation? We'll have that answer for you after the break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to 
Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tap, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. If you missed part of the show, you can visit mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again. Also, we have the MPB Public Media app that you can download for your smartphone, and you can listen to all the programs on MPB Think Radio on your schedule. We're visiting today with David Johnson, Director of Community Development, and Marsha Reed uh, with Credit Plus, both who work for Bank Plus. And uh, we talked a little bit about unbanked and underbanked before the break, but also we mentioned uh, that Bank Plus does have a program in this area called Credit Plus. So, uh, Marsha, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Thank you. I'd be glad to. Uh, Credit Plus is really a two-part program. Uh, We offer some basic financial literacy in our seminars that we hold. It's open registration. Anyone that wants to can sign up for it and attend. And we go over some basic things about credit, about budgeting, about credit reports, a lot of things people are confused about, but we also try to uh, help instill some new ideas or uh, build up what they're already doing that's right. And so that is the first part. The second part is coming into one of our branches and applying for the deposit accounts and a small loan. Uh, and the repayment of that small loan is what helps build credit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting because I know that uh, our HR department uh, uh, arranged for a similar type of thing from another bank uh, that for employees here, and I went through it, and I, you know, some of the I, I felt pretty good about some of the stuff I knew. But you're right; it, it never hurts to get this information repeated back to you. That whole mm-hmm. idea of the more you realize what a budget is, mm-hmm. why it's important to have good credit, those sorts of things, the more uh, impact it'll make on you. And I think that's interesting because you know, for uh, sort of traditionally on this show, we've often talked about one way to improve a credit score or a credit uh, situation is to is to take out a small loan and pay it back. So it sounds like that's a, a great mm-hmm. way uh, to get people started. And I guess that sort of also, if they're underbanked or unbanked, this kind of eases them into the banking system uh, mm-hmm. um, and not maybe overwhelming somebody to where they kind of you know freak out or whatever. Right. Well, there's some restrictions normally on banking and lending that people may feel they can't meet. But with the Credit Plus program, we're not going to hold them to that same standard. Uh, you attend our seminar, you come to that and uh, go through the whole three hours that we have people there, get a certificate, and then with your proof of income for the last six months, that certificate and two forms of ID, that's all you need to come into the bank and get the checking account and qualify for the loan. Uh, and the loan is at 5% interest, so it's affordable, it's uh, easy to repay, and then based on what their score is, that credit score, they'll get one of three loans that are available. Uh, where is Bank Plus? Is it in central Mississippi only, or are there branches throughout the state? We're really throughout the state. We've got s- some specific areas that we're more located in than others, but we're on East Mississippi. We're here in the central area. We're down south in Pearl River, and we're up in DeSoto County. So we can cover quite a big footprint uh, of the state and of our population in those areas. And y'all are y'all's locations are just in Mississippi as well, right? We are. We're a Mississippi bank. Yeah. So that's one of the things I find most impressive about Bank Plus. I believe y'all are the largest bank that is strictly located in Mississippi. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, that That's, is true. Okay, that, that is, is true. true. That is true. We're glad uh, about that. I checked the list the other day. Uh, well, go, I mean, just because so many banks, they, they have a few branches um, out of the state. Um, if if I'm wrong about that, call in and correct me. <laughs> um, but I will say, I just want to give a plug for that program. I had a friend who went through their Credit Plus, or I'm not, they have a variety of programs there, but he learned all about credit from Bank Plus. He, uh, he 
you know, got a loan, did a secured card. He's and he now he he knows more about credit. every time we have a show about credit. I want him to call in because he knows more about credit than me. He's probably got a better credit score than me. I mean, it's and he came from a background where, you know, as he described to me, his family, you know, they didn't they didn't have credit. They didn't they didn't know about uh, about credit. They didn't know a lot about banking. So he didn't learn it from his family. He learned it all from Bank Plus, and and he he loved the program, and, and it was awesome to see him go through it. Well, that's great. I, I really need to get his name. <laughs> but we're we're working with a lot of people that are like that. They didn't ha- have a strong family background in managing money, and so uh, they need some of those tips, mm-hmm. some of those simple things of, about how to think about money, how to think about credit, how to think about managing your money through a budget. Uh, people don't realize those things if they've not been exposed to it at a younger age and brought up in that area. Also, thing that we have talked about on this show, and I can vouch for personally as well, is when you start on the path towards financial literacy and you make these small gains, maybe you've made your first, you get this loan and you make your first payment or whatever. I think we, the successes you get, you mm-hmm. build some confidence and then that you're able to uh, kind of uh, become even more financially literate because you're, you're a little bit more confident about what you're doing uh, when it comes to your personal finances. Mm-hmm. By the way, before the break, we asked about the highest concentration per capita of payday lenders in the nation. And according to a Tupelo Daily Journal article, Mississippi has the highest concentration per capita with about 1,000 locations concentrated for the most part in low income areas. And, you know, we were talking about this during the break. It's it's kind of an awful cycle because of, I guess, kind of the just the tremendous in- interest rates these places charge is kind of once you get in there, it's difficult to kind of work yourself out. Mm-hmm. Interest rates and fees on some of those loans can be um, absolutely absurd. If you think about it, you know, if you go to a payday lender or, or some non-bank lender and you take out a loan for $100 and it's due in two weeks because, you know, maybe that's your paycheck cycle. Uh, and they say, OK, you know, we're just going to charge you a fee of $10. So $10 is 10% of that $100 loan, if you want to call it that. And that's in two weeks. And so I am not doing the compounding math in my head, but that's that's in the hundreds of uh, percent interest. Uh, you know, if you extended that loan over a year, you would end up paying a lot of money back. Um, and I can do the compounding later if you really want me to. But that's why this, you know. Uh, bank pl- banks don't lend at, at super high rates. They're not allowed to lend at super high rates. And so in this 5% rate, it's kind of an arbitrarily low number. That's a great interest rate. That's like if you borrowed $100 and waited an entire year and you only had to pay back $105. And so if you can imagine, if you only had to pay it back in uh, two weeks, you'd be paying back, what, like 10 cents, uh, you know, 10 cents on that $100 loan. Uh, So you can see how even if it's just, you know, it's just it's just 10 bucks or it's just $20 for this loan. Um, that really adds up because it's such a short term loan. And, and then that short term really restricts you so much. And what we'd like to see is people establish a relationship with a bank so that they don't need to use some alternatives, perhaps. And then they can come in and and use something ongoing account, an ongoing loan, uh, some history, and some education at the same time. And so, you know, we're glad to be able to offer the Credit Plus and been able to offer it for the last 10 and a half years. 
So we talked a little bit about uh, payday lenders, and again, as Ryder suggested, it, it's tied into your your pay cycle. Uh, the motor vehicle loans, I guess that you actually do you use the title of your car for your collateral. Is that how that works? If you could, um, David, maybe tell us a little bit about about how those loans work. Sure. Uh, a motor vehicle loan basically means you're giving someone title to your car for that loan. Once you pay the loan off, then you get your title back. Uh, failure to pay the loan on time uh, could result in loss of that automobile. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, that's basically what a uh, motor vehicle loan is. Now, so we and we talked about auto loans for purchasing cars a couple weeks ago. And you can obviously, you can go to Bank Plus, correct me if I'm wrong, go to Bank Plus and say, hey, I'm going to buy new car, you know, I need I need money for that. And, sure. and y'all will similarly secure that loan against the car. Absolutely. So, you know, what are we what are we looking at when the difference between some place that holds itself out as a title loan? Is that simply that would that be a car necessarily that even Bank Plus would lend against or are they offering just are the terms just much different, do you think, than what? And obviously you don't necessarily know what products they are offering, but right. um, maybe higher interest rates, shorter term loans there. So that's how that can vary with um, with your traditional bank. Mm-hmm. If you have a question for us this morning, you can give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven. MPB Ring. It's one 672 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. So, Marsha, you mentioned that uh, part of uh, what the the uh, Credit Plus program does is uh, it gives you a small loan, and then you begin to pay that back, so you begin uh, to build your credit score uh, and uh, in, in improve your credit report. Maybe if uh, each of you could talk a little bit about why is it important to have a good credit report and a good credit score. Okay, well, that's basic to our financial stand here in in the United States. A lot of countries don't even deal with credit scores the way that we do here. But where it's so embedded into our society, we have to have something if we want want to purchase those larger items that we can't afford to pay cash for. And you want to get the best rates. A a house. Exactly. (laughs) Important things. Important things like that. Yeah. Some of the basic things that we consider a part of a good lifestyle. And so if you don't have your credit up to a certain level or a certain uh, debt ratio, you're not going to be able to afford what you really want. So we look at two things. We look at previous credit history, uh, and we look at debt level. And so the the lower the score, the less likely you are to be able to qualify for a loan. And of course, then the higher the debt, the less likely you are to qualify for a loan. And so those are things that are really important to us. It's a, it's a barometer, in a sense, of the way to judge how a person will be capable of and then will pay back a loan that we're making. To them, and, and I want to point out it kind of goes both ways. It benefits the the borrower because they have they're kind of objectively compared. It's not just who knows the banker the best. Um, and so it, it opens up the credit process. It opens up a lot of products to that borrower, but it's also better for the lender because again they don't have to do all that uh, you know tiny little research and know everything about that person. Mm-hmm. So it allows them to say yes, we can offer uh, this loan at six percent to uh, this group. 
group of folks, this makes sense to us. It gives them a more data-centric way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect, but it does open up a lot of opportunities on both sides. David and I were talking about this earlier uh, or, and yesterday that we used to be able to make loans based on the person that you knew. Mm-hmm. That sort of someone would come into the bank, you would trust them, you would know their dad, you know, or their grandfather or mother, and you'd be able to say, well, you know, I trust that they will pay this loan back. Mm-hmm. But it's become so automated now, and there's such certain standards that have to be reached. We can't really do that anymore. And, and yeah. so we need to be able to see something that is comparing your ability to repay a loan to the amount of debt that you've got and what other people are doing. And that's way a, lo- a lot of the judgments are made these days. Mm-hmm. So there are three main companies, I guess, that deal with credit reports and credit mm-hmm. scores. And I know if you if you get your credit score, it can be different depending on, on who you get it from. Uh, talk a little bit, if you would, about why that is the case. Well, basically, that's because not every company reports to all three agencies. You know, you've got some companies that will report to TransUnion, and they prefer that one, and that's where they go to, or the Experian or Equifax. And so if you don't have uh, the same information being reported to all three agencies, then you're going to get a different score. All right, uh, let's take another break. When we get back, we've got two callers on the line to get to, and we're looking for your phone call as well. The number to call if you want to join our conversation is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 7464 You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, when we get back, we'll continue our discussion. Here's something you can think about during the break. Where can you get a free toaster for opening a bank account? We'll give you some information. We'll we come back from this break, so stay tuned. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taff. And today we're visiting uh, with two folks from Bank Plus. Marsha Reed and David Johnson are here, and we're talking about banking. Uh, and we've got some phone calls to get to and an answer to give you as well to our question that we asked about. Uh, where can you get a free toaster for opening up a bank account? We're not sure, but MoneyCrashers.com does have a post with the 36 best new bank account promotions and offers uh, that include $300 cash, airline miles, and college savings money. Ooh. Uh, if you're interested in that, we'll have a link to that uh, on our uh, website. Uh, David, just uh, during the break there, you were telling us, you know, before we went to break, we were talking about uh, before credit scores and uh, became a, a vehicle for which uh, banks could determine who gets a money loaned to them. Uh, it was done in a different way, and you shared an interesting kind of personal experience with us. If you would, uh, what was it like before credit scores kind of determined who got a loan? Sure. Uh, I think I'm the oldest person in the room, and I've been in banking 40 years. <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe not the oldest. But anyway, uh, for 10 of those years, I was a loan officer, and that was before credit scoring came around. So at that time, if you came into the bank and requested a loan, I'd pull your credit report. And even if there were some issues on the credit report, if I had a relationship or I believed mm-hmm. your story as to why you had bad, bad credit, I could go ahead and make that loan. Uh, however, the problem with that is if you came to me and I made the loan, you might go somewhere else, same bank, to a different loan officer. They might look at it, and because they don't know you, you don't have a relationship with them, you might have been turned down. So it creates some fair lending concerns when there's dis- different decisions for the same credit. So that's why Fair Isaac created the uh, credit score model back some 20-plus years ago. And so it creates some consistency in loan decisions. Mm-hmm. And so it really is, is a benefit to both the, the financial institution and also the person uh, applying for the loan as well to kind of make it uh, a level playing field for all involved. Absolutely. Uh, let's get some phone calls in. Let's start in uh, in Bay St. Louis. Uh, Chris is on the line. Chris, uh, thanks for calling in. Go ahead, please. Hello. Good morning. What a beautiful day. Yes, it Absolutely. Is. Good morning, Chris. Listen, my mother-in-law taught me poor people have poor ways. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, it slaps me in the face. Mm. Um, payday lenders, not only payday lenders, but the, the car loans y'all talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't forget the pawn shops. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. And, and I mean, all these all these methods are out there for poor people to get money fairly easy, and it's extremely easy to get caught up in the, in that hole. If you get behind or or something happens, then then you you just about never be able to recover. And I think that's part of what's happening with our population is that people are just. They're so overextended, they just can't pay their bills. But anyway, and then, of course, I'm, I'm scratching my head. I'm down here on the coast, and I've, I've often wondered, what, as good as the casinos have been to people with health insurance and, and all that kind of stuff and jobs, you often wonder how many people have gotten in trouble financially because of, of casinos. So anyway, good show. Um, they should teach it in school. Money, I heard, I think I heard Absolutely. on this week that there's three schools in the state that teach money management everybody ought to have some money management course before they get out of High school, in my opinion. So that's it. All right. Chris, thanks for the phone call. Some uh, good uh, information there. And yeah, we we mentioned that on the show previously that, uh, uh, you know, financial literacy really should be a part of, you know, maybe not just in high school, but possibly, you know, even in elementary school. There are some. And and that's something, you know, I'll just always put in a plug for Mississippi Council on Economic Education. They're doing a very good job of, uh, they get, they build curriculum, uh, curricula, and they train teachers in things. Things like money management, uh, personal finance, economics, um, and so really they've 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 grown those programs a lot recently. So if you uh, if you have a if you are a teacher or you have a or you are a child who wants to learn that and you are skipping class to listen to this program, shout out to you. Um, or if you are a parent, you know you know kind of those are resources that are available and um, and and I think I think it's super important. Um, but like he said, you know. Uh, uh, his phrase was poor people have poor ways. I mean, it's just what is available to folks. I mean, like you said, you know, you now have to have a credit score and that's pretty much all, you know, all the loan is based on. So 
someone who's never accessed credit before and not only that they come from a family or come from a place where they don't learn about it they don't know about it like a poor household um, they're only going to have access and they're only going to know about things like payday lenders title loans and pawn shops and and even if they go to a bank you know and the bank says I'm mm, sorry we don't see any credit history here we can't help you we can't give you that loan we can't give you that credit card um, that's why programs like what Bank Plus is doing with their Credit Plus their Credit Builder program is so important because not only does it give you that education of here's what's available here is here's how you access this banking system which I mean people can complain about the banking system but it does wonderful things for them and they love that they can live in a house that they own um and so that's why these things are so important. It gives them that education, and it gives them the access. It, it gives them that first step, and sometimes that second or third step on that on that ladder uh, towards you know all all of these financial products, which really do uh, improve people's lives. Uh, we're talking banking today on Money Talks, and if you have a banking related question or a personal finance question that you need help with, give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven you can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Next, we've got Gene on the line from Olive Branch. Gene, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Uh, thank you for taking that call. I appreciate that. Uh, it's a bright, sunny day uh, on my way to Blue Mountain, Mississippi to go to work. Beautiful. Uh, uh, I uh, have some issues with this credit union over the years, and uh, I'm just starting to take heed that, oh, you know, I'm... I'm paying two seventy five for ATM inquiries and uh, plus, you know, the withdrawal. And then at the bank itself, on another on top of that, paying you know, like 5 or $6 total with that sort of thing. You go below twelve, uh, $200 and they want to charge you $12. Uh, another thing is... Oh, you paid, when you agreed, you paid a $10 fee. I think it was my employer that paid that because I joined this credit union through my employer. Mm. Uh, and I forgot what I signed. You know, I was just, oh, yeah, credit union, that's great. You know, from when I was a kid, I'm 56 years old. That credit unions were great, you know. My dad, my mom, and uh, signed on with them. But uh, I always made money or was able to keep my money uh now they say, that, oh, you agreed to a $25 uh, uh, if you come out, you have to pay $25 as a non-refundable fee on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then they got this $50, uh, if you get somebody in here, uh, we'll give you $50 and get them $50. And I was trying to get like 10 people to kind of <laughs> stick it to the credit union, but nobody even bit. Uh, even my so-called friends. <laughs> but anyway, um, I want, uh, I'm also got uh, an IRA and a Roth uh, with a trusted financial uh, advisor that I've been dealing with for about 10 years. I've got over $60,000 saved, but, you know, I've been off and on with my Roth and, and rollover IRAs. Uh, and I just started a satellite bank up in North Dakota. Uh, that pays 2.5, and I'm trying to gonna phase. I'm going to phase this uh, credit union out, but there, there's so much like a, a bad bank. They're really a credit union that's like a bad bank. So I just want your comments on that. All right. Well, first, if we could, uh, a bank and a credit union are not exactly the same thing. So, uh, what exactly is a credit union? 
Is it? It's a member. Uh, you actually join. It's a little bit different from a bank, right? Basically, credit unions have members. So if you make a deposit with a credit union, you are actually an owner of that credit union. You're a member of that credit union. So they do operate differently from banks. They have different regulations from banks as as well. Uh, they're regulated by the National Credit. NCUUA, I think it is, uh, whereas banks are regulated by FDIC, OCC, and the Federal Reserve. So so they're very different. So I would advise whatever organization you go to, whether it's a credit union or a bank, ask for their disclosure statements that talk about the fees mm-hmm. before you sign up for an account. Make sure you understand what those fees are. And if you don't, you know, ask, ask more questions and compare. You might be loyal to a specific bank because your parents uh, bank there, but find the best rate, the best deal for you and your family. And one of the things I was going to add to that is just always read the fine print. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got a question about something, ask it. Don't worry about the fact that you're sitting at a desk and someone's pushing a paper at you telling you to sign it. If you don't understand what it means and what you're signing, make sure you understand before you do that mm-hmm. uh, because that fine print is where you can get some of those fees and those other things that he was talking about that you just glossed o- over at the beginning. And I want to say that that's kind of a weird situation. We usually find, we usually find people are very happy with their credit unions and credit unions typically uh, because they're a member and they kind of participate in in the the profits of the bank and so we typically see people have kind of either lower fees or higher interest to make up for it uh, but not all institutions are the same and you know if this is particularly if it's a smaller one uh, maybe they just don't have the lending capacity that others do they just don't have income from other sources that other banks do they have to charge higher fees and there are the United States have, has an incredibly diverse and competitive banking system. I mean, f- for starters, there's two of them. There's credit unions and there's banks. So um, there are plenty of other places to go. Uh, you can probably find plenty more brick and mortar branches in your town. I mean, pretty much no matter how small your town is and uh, easily find online banks. And uh, so like like y'all said, look at your, the disclosure statement. And could y'all talk a little bit about what kind of an introductory savings and checking account might look for somebody and what sort of fees they might incur at at a bank, you know, the size of Bank Plus? Mm -hmm. Well, Bank Plus has several different checking accounts that we offer. Some of them are completely free. Some may have a small fee attached to it if they want to get personal statements in the mail, that kind of thing. Uh, We've got another thing that we offer called Bazing, which is a, like a coupon and you, you get a discount in certain places and it'll really alert you when you go buy that company and says, hey, there's a discount at this company. If you want to get a cup of coffee, get it for 10, 10% off or something. So we've got those kind of things available at the wow. bank. And, uh, you know, some really good things to offer our, our uh customers. But to open an account, usually it is $100 to open a checking account. It's available to you right away. And we make those debit cards on site. You can walk out of the bank with your own debit card. Mm -hmm. And then uh, a savings account, again, $100 to open the basic personal savings account. And there are limited transactions because it's a savings account. You're (laughs) supposed to leave money in there. But uh, even then, there's some options and some different kinds of things that are available to you. 
And yeah, I would say that I think that the the banking industry is competitive enough to where, as we've said, if you're not happy with the the situation you have in one account, shop around and see if you can't find something that meets your needs a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, you're the director of community development, and so if you would talk a little bit about how banks work with community-based partners to promote community development and meet the needs of low to moderate income residents. Sure. Uh, Bank Plus is located um, throughout the state of Mississippi, and in each of our assessment areas, and typically our assessment areas are the counties in which we have a bank presence. We try to identify nonprofit organizations that are engaged in affordable housing, economic development, providing community services, or revitalization efforts. Uh, We provide financial supports for those organizations, but additionally, we encourage our employees to serve on those boards and provide technical expertise. And even if we're not on the board, we still will consult with those organizations to help them achieve their goals. Um, As a matter of fact, recently we awarded partnership grants to several organizations uh, from the Federal Home Loan Bank of Dallas. We're a member of that organization, and as a member, we can utilize their grant funds to leverage with our dollars. For example, if we give $1,000 to an organization, they'll provide a three-to-one match of our dollars. So imagine the impact that has. Uh, In a lot of cases, we'll give $4,000, and so we're giving uh, a really big boost to some small organizations. But that is one of our hallmarks, working with nonprofit organizations throughout the state. Is community engagement something that developed in the banking industry over the years? I think it's really, I think, great that the banks are willing to do this to kind of build up the communities in which they're in. Oh, absolutely. So goes the community, so goes our bank. So we have a vested interest in every community in which we're located. So we want all of our communities to be vibrant and prosperous. So it means that we've got to lend our expertise to those organizations. Uh, Some of the organizations are grassroots organizations where you may not have all the expertise or knowledge to accomplish some of the goals, but a lot of the bankers have a lot of knowledge and experience that they can share and help bolster the performance of each of those community organizations. All right, very good. We need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we'll wrap things up today. Uh, We are visiting with Marsha Reed and David Johnson from Bank Plus, and we've been talking about various aspects of the banking industry. Still time to work in a phone call if you have a question or a personal finance question uh, as well. Uh, Call us at 1-877-MPB-RING. Our phone number is 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to money at mpbonline.org. Do you remember what bankers' hours are? We'll jog your memory when we come back from this break. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We're talking banking today with two guests from Bank Plus. We're visiting with David Johnson, Director of Community Development, and Marsha Reed with Credit Plus. Uh, still time to work in a phone call if you have a question for us. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 During the break or before the break, we asked about bankers' hours. Traditional opening hours of banks in the 1800s 
1900s and in some parts of the U.S. maintained until the 1960s were from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., but now some banks are open on Saturdays. Uh, With online banking, many services are available 24 hours a day. And I know uh, my bank, I think, stays open a little bit later on Fridays as well. So uh, glad to see that in some cases, bankers' hours have expanded just a little bit. You know, and if we want to talk about access to banking, uh, you know, we're talking about working folks can't go to a bank if it's only open Mm -hmm. from from 10 to 3. Uh, That's uh, that's the most ridiculous hours ever. Um, And so online banking has expanded access, but also just being open later because you you sometimes still just need to talk to a person about how how the process works. How how does my savings account? How does my checking account work? Sure. In many of our locations, we're open from 7 to 7 to address that need. We Mm -hmm. recognize a lot of people work 8 to 5, and so Mm -hmm. they can't get to the bank between those hours. So we're available 7 to 7, and then some of our locations are open on Saturdays from 9 to 1. So we're trying to be accessible to our customers, and we have the online technology uh, as well, online banking and uh, mobile banking as well. So you can do banking by phone. That's great. Uh, So, Marsha, earlier we were talking about uh, the credit score, and you were going to give us some information about how exactly that is determined. FICO score is the one that most banks and different companies use. It's the Fair Isaac Company score. And so we're just um, giving some information about how they determine that score because we get that a lot. You know, they'll say, I got a FICO score on my credit card and it's this and it comes to the bank and it's this or somewhere else. And so they've given us a little model of how they determine it. Your past payment history, how well you've paid your bills over time is the whopping 35 percent of what they calculate that score to be. Uh, the amount of debt you have, the amount of outstanding debt is 30%. So when we say pay your bills on time, it's because that uh, is so much of what the score is uh calculated on and then how long you've had credit if you're like david and i we old folks you know so uh i'm gonna count david in that group and uh we have um had credit a long time but that's a lower amount that's like 15 percent of your scores how long you've had credit new applications how many applications have you made in the last 12 months because we know that the more times you apply for credit it tends to bring that score down and then where you're going for credit too is important the types of credit that you get. So that's 10% of your score. So the two big points that people need to realize is how they pay their bills and how much they have in debt are the main factors in how your credit score is determined. Yeah, I know. I have one credit card that I've had since 1978, and so I don't really use it anymore, but I don't want to close it because that's giving me a little bit of a boost for having that long of a credit record. Mm-hmm. So. Also, Marsha, you wanted to shout out to... Uh, well, when we mentioned where Bank Plus is located in the state, I left out to Tupelo. So this is a shout out to Tupelo. It's our newest area. We're proud of you. We're glad you're there and uh, thankful for the work that they do up there. All right. Uh, Let's head back to the phone lines. Uh, John is on the line from Memphis. Good morning, John. Go ahead, please. Yes, I I was listening to your conversation earlier about, you know, the difference between credit unions and banking, you know, and, and physical banks. And I was previously a member of a local credit union, and I have actually chosen to take my banking to a bank where the closest physical branch is two and a half hours away from where I live. And I've I've had a great experience. You were talking about online banking. You were talk, talking about being able to do that. I mean, I can literally do everything that I need to do. I can deposit, you know, checks. 
mm-hmm. you know, through my phone, and this bank has literally been taking the best care of me beyond anything that I've ever dealt with in my life. And so I really am just surprised by the fact that I was able to find a banking institution that takes such good care of me, and yet they really aren't even remotely close to where I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, good point, John, and that points out to how the banking industry is changing. Uh, it, uh, but also, I guess uh, it, it makes bankers kind of stay on their toes because you know if there's a better or if there's another offer down the street or whatever, you better make sure you're doing what you best for your customer to make sure that they, they'll stay with you. Absolutely. And let me just add: years ago, banks were engaged in bricks and mortar; they were building branches all over the place. Mm-hmm. However, it is cost prohibitive for banks to continue to open branches everywhere. Mm-hmm. So the best way to get to the customers is through technology, online banking, mobile banking, mm-hmm. even telephone banking. So there are so many other ways to access banking. And I'm glad this gentleman has had a great experience with the bank he's using. Uh, that's yeah. a good story. All right, John, uh, thanks for your call. Uh, Marshall, we have got about a minute left. If you could remind us of uh, the uh, the Credit Plus program at Bank Plus. Well, the Credit Plus program, again, is available to anyone who's interested in improving credit or starting it out the right way. So we offer the um, seminars, Credit Plus seminars, their online registration. It's available on our website, bankplus.net, and then go to the Credit Plus page and look at that and how the program works. So we've got the financial literacy. We've got the deposit accounts and a small loan to help you build credit. So it's a it's a win-win situation for anyone who is interested in improving the credit that's out there. All right. So uh, any final thoughts? I guess, uh, you know, uh, the financial literacy is important. These are uh, availabilities to, to, you know, take advantage of to get some some free advice and, and guidance. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, any final thoughts here in the last 30 seconds? Well, we're not the only ones that offer this kind okay. of thing. You know, there's a lot of other banks out there now that are doing this more often. A lot of them have based what they're do- doing on the Credit Plus program. They've come to us and asked for our reasons, how we're doing things, the success rates that we've had. And so we've been able to help foster some of these even in Mississippi as well as outside of our state. So the the program here again is available to Mississippians, but there are options out there. There's uh, home ownership counseling classes, uh, HUD.gov. Okay. Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from you, our listeners. If you need to hear today's show or previous show, one way to find it is to go to mpbonline.org slash money talks. Or you can listen to the podcast. Just search for Money Talks with your favorite podcast app. Our show was produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener today was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taft, Marsha Reed, and David Johnson, both from Bank Plus, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's in legal terms. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 9 for another Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from Trustmark, a financial partner for businesses throughout the South for 130 years. Trustmark offers a range of products and services designed to help small businesses efficiently manage finances. More info at Trustmark.com. 
information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. 